First and foremost, thank you so much, Liz, for being here today. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. You're welcome. There's so much good stuff to talk about. There's so much vibes in the air. Everybody's excited to come back out and, you know, get featured and, you know, see what's happening around them with the entertainment scene. And you're one of the people that are highly commendable for this opportunity to even be here and tell us what's happening because sometimes we don't get to hear this every day. Well, I love it. I think, yeah, everybody's been inside so long. It's, you know, I looked at my Facebook and it says, this is what happened a year ago today. And it's like, I don't even want to talk about what was going on. It was so long ago. Let's just move forward. (laughs) Exactly. That is so true. That is so true. Would you mind telling us more about you, who you are and what you do? Uh, Absolutely. Well, uh, it's, it's Liz H Kelly. The initial H is important because, you know, if you know anything about SEO, you got to have a unique name and Liz Kelly is not unique. So Liz H Kelly and I run uh, goody PR. It's a PR agency. We magnify good. We also do branding and websites. And then I wrote a book called eight second PR. And a lot of people don't know, but the average attention span of an adult is eight seconds. So that's where we came up with the name of the book. It's like, you got to get to the point. Somebody said the subtitle should be get to the freaking point, but (laughs) (laughs) we changed it to energize your story for ultimate media success. And then, um, and then I'm a podcast host. I have a podcast called Eight Second Branding, which goes with Eight Second PR. And we talk about marketing topics, branding topics, how do you get your story out there? And really, our mission in life is to help people get their story out who are making a difference. We just got a client today who has a cure for cancer, he says. So we'll see. We got to research a lot. It's a lot about healthy living and that's great. And, but you know, that's the type of client that really excites us. And we've done a lot of work with entertainment. I know you have an entertainment audience and we worked with an executive producer from Modern Family and we've gone to the Sundance Film Festival for 10 years in a row. So we can talk a lot about that. And at the core is, you know, coming up with that wow story. Everything's about how do you stand out and be different? So I'm happy to be here today and hopefully share some uh, wisdom on that. Thank you. This is intense because the first thing that comes to my mind right now is when someone thinks about a story, they think about anybody can tell a story. You know, this is like we can we can all tell stories. We can all do everything. But when you tell a story, there's an expectation that's supposed to be measured and sometimes you may not know how it goes sometimes you may shock yourself you may be like oh so they actually like this story you know but how does someone stay contained and still relevant when they're making a delivery of a message like that well i think it's it's there's so many things to think about but what i find is that when i talk to clients uh they can't see their wow story they're so caught up in the details 
And what I try to do is say, let's go to the 30,000 foot view. Let's think about who's listening. Why would they care? And, and what would excite them? And so, for example, I have a client who wrote a World War II book. Okay, that is a non-typical client for Goody PR, but they want to, you know, give money back to veteran charities. So that's part of their wow story is they're donating almost all of their royalties to veteran charities. But then there's another story, which is just incredible, that, that his father did not, he wrote about his dad's platoon, right? And his father did not talk about World War II uh, at all while he was alive. So he goes to the funeral, right? And this guy comes from the Marines and, and gives a eulogy about how his father saved the lives of everybody in the platoon by, you know, telling a, uh, a tank to go the other way or something like that, right? And he sits there and he's like, wow, what did dad do? So he goes into the family garage, opens the off-limits footlocker and finds thousands of World War II photos, letters, and the platoon roster. Wow. And then he sits down on Google and, and starts Googling and finds the people in his father's platoon because he's never met them, right? Mm. And, and then for nine years, he goes coast to coast and interviews the survivors and their loved ones and, and writes a book. Now, that's a wow story because he says to me, oh, Liz, I'm, I want to talk about the veterans. I don't want to talk about me. But more people care about that story. The fact that he didn't know anything. And then he finds this footlocker and spends nine years traveling. And then the story, you can't tell that story every time. Right. So I just want to give you another example that's related to the same book. So for Valentine's Day, the last thing you would think about when you're thinking about war is love, right? That's the last thing you'd be thinking about. Right. But in the book are all these letters between his parents and between other veterans and, and their loved ones. You know, they all they all had people they wrote letters to and mail call obviously was very important because they didn't have email and they didn't have phones. So I said to him, how many letters do you think you, you have? And he says, oh, thousands of letters because they wrote each other two, three times a day. They used letters like we use text message, right? Right. So I pitched thousands of World War II love letters discovered. And I got him on CBS San Diego with that story and some other stories. So sometimes wow. it's looking for the less obvious thing to stand out and, and also connect yourself to a holiday like Valentine's Day. That's deep. That's a very deep story because nobody would think of it that way. And that's where the trigger is, where you can really strike that that mindset to realize, oh, if I don't click this, I'll never know this story. So why not? <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And I'll give you another example that's entertainment-based. The, the Modern Family executive producer who I worked with, Danny Zucker, you can Google him. So 
he contacted me because he had a book and it was called he started it my twitter war with trump okay he started it my twitter war with trump and danny actually had a twitter war with trump but it was in 2013 and the book was coming out in 2018 right mm. so it's five years later and this is before trump's running for president because it's 2013 and they're fighting over the the ratings for the apprentice versus modern family on twitter you know they're fighting about things like that and there's other things in it too and you know we have to be politically neutral as a as a pr company we've worked with you know republicans we've worked with democrats we've worked with libertarians you know we we customize the message based on who is the client so danny did not like trump obviously he has a twitter war with trump and he says that he wants to donate um all of the proceeds to three charities that he wants to help right so there's a noble cause right there but to pitch it to the media you know i was i had a brainstorm with him and say how are we going to pitch a 2013 twitter war in 2018 well what happened in 2018 was the midterm election so i said danny what if we dedicate the book to voters mm. and make this a get out the vote campaign and it skyrocketed and he ended up getting 15 interviews a month he was on cnn twice we got him on tmz uh and, and he had all kinds of interviews uh, the rap which is a big entertainment um outlet featured him but it was all because we we were able to make it relevant and 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 inspire people and 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 also danny's a comedian so that helped a lot because yeah. <laughs> everybody wants to interview a comedian. Oh, yeah. And some good jokes. And that's, you know, part of their Twitter war was banter and jokes. Exactly. <laughs> I think this is a, a great, all these three examples show that they're all individually successful without having to you know crumble over each other that's the wow story and speaking of story i think one of the things that people have to focus on is the angle of the story could we talk about that sure i i, I think it's it's really important to think about the approach and who's the audience and uh you know who's listening especially with podcasts because podcasts have a very uh niche audience so if it's about entertainment you want to talk about entertainment. So, for example, uh, Danny, the Modern Family Guy, when he was on CNN, uh, one of the things they wanted to talk about was the new TV show, The Connors. I think Roseanne had just been fired, and, and they were relaunching the show without Roseanne, right? And so that that's what CNN wanted to talk about. They didn't want to talk about his book, really. <laughs> they wanted him to comment on the comedy news of the day. Right. So, so he hesitated because he's like, Liz, I can't, I can't criticize comedy writers. You know, it's like a vow that we support each other. And I said, well, okay, well, we're just going to have to go with it. And, and, and so he came up with a very politically neutral comment. Like they did a good job and it was a good show and, and things like that. But 
but you have to go with the flow with who's the reporter and, and what do they want to talk about. Right. So for, for example, uh, I'll give you another example. Tomorrow, I set up a radio interview for a client who she's got like a business success story, but part of her business success story was playing competitive sports. And then she taught her children how to play competitive sports. And then those life skills of learning how to win yeah. and, and build relationships have, have really helped her succeed in business to the point where she became independently wealthy at 38 and retired at 43, which is like an incredible story. But it's a little overwhelming to people. So we're going to make it more fun where she's going to talk about it's spring, it's post-pandemic, people are getting back out on the sports fields and this is how you teach your children how to be champions in business and sport and, and teach them how to win. And then we redid her, her book cover, which is one of the things I do because after she did all these interviews, she realized her real strength was talking about this story versus she had written it as a memoir and wrote a lot about, um, you know, think her heritage and her, her family, but people wanted to talk more about this. Like, how did she retire at 30? Mm. Uh, sorry, at 43 and oh. become independently wealthy at 38. So, so, so she redid her cover with a incredible photo where she's actually wearing sneakers, but she's next to a briefcase and the briefcase has a pink velvet glove on it because she talks about a velvet glove for women mm. and how you have to be smart but firm and and funny but but get the job done things like that so you still have to be feminine in her opinion but but you have to mean business and and produce results so so that's where she came up with the velvet glove and she's wearing the sneakers because she played varsity tennis in high school and and learn to be a sales success and then we're taking it a step further because we're going to give away a pair of converse sneakers on the radio show okay. and the converse sneakers are going to match the sneakers she's got on the cover mm. so that makes it fun and entertaining and and a lot of people like converse so people will call in yeah. to the radio show Exactly. And that's smart marketing. That's is that guerrilla kind of marketing that you when you see you're like, okay, we can see that visibility and the action, the compelling call to action also matters. And you mentioned SEO in the beginning and I've been literally talking about Pinterest, SEO for a long time. How can people can be how can they just rank? How can they be in the organic search? And people know that this is a social media platform where you can be able to grow and, and really show yourself out there. But even as these stories are going out and people are recognizing them, they're talking to them, what role does social media play when there's social proof and street credibility and that type of domain authority when it comes to building that personality that you want to be respected for? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And... <laughs> we have five hours and I could tell you everything. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack with, with social media, but I, I have clients who they don't get it. They resist. And I'm like, 
No, you don't understand. It didn't happen if you don't put it on social media. Right. So anytime, anytime they go to an event, I'm like, you have to take pictures or it didn't happen. And anytime they get a media interview, I say, you got to put it on social media. Now that will a lot of times be picked up in Google, but the people who are going to pay the most attention are your friends and your fans on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, what, whatever YouTube, I love YouTube, whatever uh, social media platform you're on. Yeah. And I, I teach social media at UCLA Extension and I talk about you want to pick uh, your top three platforms and really focus on them because if you are everywhere, it's kind of hard to get momentum, even though I have accounts everywhere. There, there's three that I go to every day and they would probably be Facebook, Twitter, I actually really love Twitter. And the reason why is because the media is there. And for me, running a PR company, I need to be on Twitter because I'll tweet the story and then I'll include them in it. And then that's like a thank you to the reporter. That's another reason why you have to post things, especially when you're doing uh, media stories on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, because those reporters are watching and they're getting pressure from their bosses to drive traffic to that story. So if you want to get invited back to a CNN or, you know, a podcast, start sharing it everywhere as a thank you. And, and that will help a lot. Yeah. But I think, let's see, what else can I say? I, I think that um, it also helps with SEO. What I'm noticing is when I Google like if I, I Google my client and a podcast they were on, the tweet that I sent out about them being on that podcast is showing up on Google. Mm. So that's another thing. You're magnifying your story through social media. Yeah. Now, the other thing is you never know where you're going to get your next job, your next fan, uh, your next client. And, and people talk and people pay attention, even if they don't like uh, your item on Facebook, uh, they're watching and, yeah. and you may get a message with someone who says, Oh, I, I love what you do here. And can you help me with this? And, and then you land a new job or a new client or a new interview. It's that's why it's really important. That's a fact. But, and, but yeah. I, I, I gotta add one thing. Yeah. You cannot post all about yourself. That's really important. That's a fact. So you have to balance it. You have to balance it. So for example, today I posted the most heartwarming video. Emotion is really important on social media. And the heartwarming video was about a woman who reconnected with her dog 240 miles away. The dog must have run away and it's in like a rescue pound and they take her to see the dog. And the dog goes crazy, jumping up and down and barking because he's so happy to see his owner. So things like that are important. Showing you care, showing you how to hurt. It's probably better to avoid politics if you can avoid it. And then, yeah, just be, just show you're humble. You, you, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is not perfect. And, and so you want to make sure that you come off with showing up 
that you're humble and you have empathy for other people. That's amazing. And and I think as you're a public figure, because everyone is a public figure, even though they think, oh, I have five followers, you're still a public figure because publicly five people are watching you. So it doesn't matter what number of people are watching, but you need to always stay true to yourself. So I'm even thinking, like you've mentioned right now, about how to stay connected. How good is PR for business owners and for creators? Well, I think it's it's really important for both. It's different strategies. Yeah. So, you know, we work with a lot of small business owners, but everybody wants a documentary or a movie about their book or, or whatever they're doing. A, a lot of our clients, because they, they're creative in many ways. So I think, you know, it, it's very important for getting the word out, getting buzz and building momentum. So... For example, we have a, a, a different client who's a small business, but uh, they, they're actually an addiction center for military veterans and first responders. And they just hit their five-year anniversary, and they are on a 543-acre ranch in Texas. They, they t- say they're the opposite of a hospital. And they have things like a fishing pond and, and, and hiking and a metal shop and a pool, you know, so it's the complete opposite of a hospital. Yeah. They do have group therapy, but they sit around a fire pit. They're not sitting in a room that's, you know, uh, stuffy. So, so it's, it's just a great inspiring story. So they just did a documentary. Somebody did it about them. They came to them and said, we love what you do, so we're going to do a documentary. So I love this group, but they could have done a PR better, I'll just say, because all of a sudden I get a text message that says the documentary is live on Amazon. Mm. Okay, so I knew it was coming, but they didn't give me a launch date. And I love this client, so I just want to emphasize I love them. But they were not thinking like a marketing person and they were not communicating with me. And that's a mistake. Right. right. So, so fortunately, um, they, they had a TV interview last week. It was a great two minute feature story about them and the documentary. And they use clips from the trailer. So you, you want to have creative assets when you're pitching. And a trailer is really important, especially for TV. And um, and so it, it's a great interview. And now now they're talking about taking it to film festivals, right? So they kind of did it backwards because the first thing usually is take it to a film festival right. and announce what I call a sneak peek. I have a, I have a PR person that works with me on different projects, and she has a client who's launching a documentary about aviation and it's launching in July at a big air show. Okay. That's like the perfect place because that's the niche audience for people who love airplanes, right? Right. At an air show. So what she did and and we're talking through the strategy is because she's never worked with an entertainment client. I'm like, just use the word sneak peek or exclusive content. Those are the two big buzzwords. I've covered uh, as an entertainment reporter. That's another thing I do. 
Comic-Con. And those are the two big words they use. They're like, we're going to give you a sneak peek of the movie one year before the movie. But they make everybody put their cell phones away and they and they have people walking up down, you know, mm. the aisle to make sure you're not filming their sneak peek exclusive content. Wow. But what it does is then everybody goes to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or Pinterest and and they start posting, I was at I was at the the sneak peek for the next Avengers. And, and so it builds the buzz and it gets people excited. So yeah. that's what you want to do. You want to build the buzz, get the excitement, and dribble out the content. Dribble it out so that you can keep having a new story. That's beautiful. And I think that anticipation is what people don't get to see. Because when you're, when you're building that momentum and people are talking about it, the demand is going higher and higher and that's when you can really drop the ball or just open the curtain it's up to you exactly and 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 so it if you have a business or or you have creative assets like a movie or um a book you know it's good to talk to a pr person uh, a marketing person and and the other thing that's really really important and i'm sure you can relate to this is the title, okay? The title is so important for your SEO. So I teach this in my UCLA class and I try to teach it to my clients. So for example, with my book, Eight Second PR, the first thing I did was Google Eight Second PR. Now there's somebody that has uh, it's a, it's some kind of athletic thing. It's called an eight second PR, but that was the only thing that's out there, and that's not related to public relations, right? right? So I knew I was not going to be competing. Okay, so that's the first step I did. Second step is you go to GoDaddy and you see if I can buy eightsecondpr.com, and you just don't buy eightsecondpr.com. You you buy like eight second publicrelations.com you know you buy you buy multiple URLs that are related like I, I run the Goody Awards for social good so Goody it's with a Y but I also bought it with the IE so if somebody messed it up then that URL would forward to the correct website mm. so so I did this exercise uh, in my UCLA class and I said, I want you to come up with a business name and think about SEO. And somebody came out with the name Celebrate. Okay, just the word Celebrate. Okay, that is a horrible, horrible title. And the reason why is because there's no SEO value because if you put in Celebrate, you're gonna get 5 million uh, re responses. So the best thing for SEO is like a two to three word phrase that is unique. So celebrate is not unique. So when I asked her more about, well, what is this business about? She said, well, you know, I, I want to sell birthday cards and I want it to be about like important birthdays. So I said, okay, why don't we call it celebrate big birthdays? Hmm. And she was like, oh, great, celebrate big birthdays versus celebrate. Because celebrate doesn't tell you what she is. Right. Celebrate big birthdays tells you what she is. 
And, and so I have a lot of clients who skip that step and uh, it, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to promote it and get traction on Google. So for example, I, I'll give you another one. Uh, my client, the one, the successful businesswoman, her book is called Playing for Keeps. So this is a two to three word phrase, but it's way overused. Right. It's way overused. If you Google Playing for Keeps, there's a Playing for Keeps TV show, there's a Playing for Keeps movie, there's probably multiple Playing for Keeps movie. So how does she stand out? So we redid her website and her website now is her name, which is Teresa Allison. It's Teresa with an E um, at the end, TeresaAllison.com. You can check it out. And, and that's what we're going to stress in interviews because we can't compete with playing for keeps. Right. But we can compete with Teresa Allison. Right. Exactly. And when someone thinks about SEO, I tell them, and, and I love how you said H because it's a H1 tag that gets you through the door every time. But people don't see that. They don't understand that. And then it gets complicated and they don't want to learn because they don't want to hear about it. So how do you break that cycle? Because it's a mindset problem. That's, that's a good point. Well, I, they, they get it when I explain it the way I just explained it, but they, a lot of times they don't want to deal with the details. So, um, what we do is, for example, Teresa's website that we just redid, yeah. we put in all the SEO. That's another thing you can do is you can hire an SEO specialist. We have an SEO specialist. She didn't want to pay for that, so I did it based on my knowledge. But I don't pretend to be the be-all SEO experts. There are great experts out there who they they understand this. It's like a language you you really need to know. But I also stress that everybody needs to understand the basics. So, for example, I'll give you another one. It's not just websites; it's your hashtags. Okay. So when you post on Instagram, instead of Teresa posting hashtag playing for keeps, I told her to start doing playing for keeps book mm. because playing for keeps book is more unique. And you'll see this because in the movie industry, a lot of times they'll say it's, for example, playing for keeps movie or playing for keeps film. Right. And that, and that'll be the URL and, and, I don't know if she bought that URL. I have to ask her, but, but that's really important. I have another, um, friend who owns a retail store, right? And she has patented. So this is creative content. She has patented 150 items in her store, right? All under the name Larissa love. And this is public information. So it's okay for me to share. But, um, so I went to Instagram and I did hashtag Larissa love and all these things came up with a hair salon and, and she does bed, bed, bath and beauty products. Wow. So she has shampoo, but she, but her primary thing is like lotions and candles and, and things like that. And she has spent a fortune on getting these patents and trademarks and copyrights and all that stuff on her brand. But the other woman that runs the hair salon now has 5,000 posts on Instagram with her name. 
because of the hashtag. Mm. This is something that people really aren't talking about enough, I think, in social media. It's, it's, can you own a hashtag? And the answer is no, I don't think you can. Maybe somebody is working on it, but, but you really have to keep SEO in mind with everything you post. And then on YouTube, wow, people do YouTube wrong all the time because they don't put in keyword tags. And that's how people find your video. So it's really important, your title of the video, your description of the video, the tags, and also the, um, you know, the JPEG image yeah. is really important. All of those things are all part of your plan to magnify your story. That's, that's what Goody PR does. And 8 Second PR, the book, by the way, is all our secrets. So if you want all our secrets for $14.95, versus hiring us for a lot of money 1495 8 second PR on Amazon yeah definitely you guys should definitely get that book I'm gonna have it in the link in the description because you have to read you have to understand and once you understand you can function and that's what we're here to do and that's amazing I, I love the way you were able to really break that down because you mentioned keyword tags, even the keyword file name is important and people don't see that and it's stressful. And I'm like, but you want to post something. So why don't you do it the right way the first time? That, that is an excellent point. A lot of people don't know that either. And we, we cover a lot of this in the eight second PR book. So it's not just about PR. It's about creating your story and creating the SEO and then getting uh, interviews. But to, to elaborate on what you just said, when when you post an image anywhere online, you know, social media, especially on websites, in a press release, you want to name that file the keyword that you want people to find you with. So, for example, for our client, Teresa Allison, we name the file Teresa Allison playing for keeps, right? And then if you go to Google, this is really important. And you Google Teresa Allison playing for keeps and then you click images. You click images on Google. Her pictures show up because we put her name in the file. And a lot of people aren't aware of that images tab on Google and how important it is. And it's all played into by what you call the file. Exactly. And that's the same thing that applies to Pinterest and YouTube. So it's like when you think about search engines and you want to rank, it's simple steps, but they're very long term steps. And and people don't see that they want to post and get 100,000 likes today and then struggle for the next 100,000 likes instead of focusing on repurposing, focusing on channeling and and just building that PR, that goody PR, you know, and I would definitely want to find out too, how does PR work? And if you don't do it, is there going to be a repercussion for your business? Uh, <laughs> great question. <laughs> so how does PR work? Well, um, if PR is a process and different people have different uh, approaches. But we have a system and it's basically what we're trying to do is get you earned media and earned media is 
TV, print, radio versus paid media, which is a paid ad on Facebook, right? So anybody can buy a paid ad on Facebook, but to get the earned media, you have to earn the respect of that reporter. So basically I earn your respect favor to be on this podcast. And that's how I got invited to be on this podcast because you thought I might be able to offer valuable information. And, and so earned media is all about getting people's attention and getting them to share your story. Because honestly, if you are looking for a pair of sneakers, are you gonna buy a pair of sneakers that I post on Facebook or are you gonna buy the pair in the app on the side panel? You're gonna buy the pair that I, that I had. A lot of times people on Facebook, they'll write, um, you know, what pair of sneakers should I get? And then you get, you know, 50 people give you advice. Right. Well, there's 50 people, they might have heard it because you had a story about your sneakers that, that was in a sports magazine. So, so that is why PR is really important and can really work. Now, part of it depends on what are, what are you doing? I, I think everybody could do PR, but, but you can also do what I would call niche PR, which is very focused on your audience. And that's the beauty of podcasts. So for example, I have a, a another client, Omar, who is writing a book on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And he's been a former general manager in the pharmaceutical world. He worked at Pfizer, GSK, Allergen, major, major companies. But this book's about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So he can talk about a lot of things, but all we have to do is Google diversity podcasts, right? And then pitch those diversity podcasts that he can talk about his diversity book. So that's a good example of, you know, a niche and, and it's a very timely topic. It's very important. Um, and then going back to my friend who's working on the PR for the airplane documentary, right? She is going to pitch airplane or aviation magazines because those are the people that care. Yeah. And then you can also do things in PR like creative marketing, like we're giving away the sneakers on the radio show. But what my friend is doing for that uh, airplane documentary is she called Pan Am. She called Pan Am because they were the first airplane and they're going to sponsor a reception for the media at at this aviation show. Mm. So there's a lot of things you can do with PR. Another thing that I've done for clients is get them speaking engagements. People love getting speaking engagements, including the guy from Modern Family. We did a, a speaking engagement for him. And it was at the Social Media Club Los Angeles. I'm on the board because it, his his book was about a Twitter war with Trump, right? So that applied to the social media club, Los Angeles. So a good PR person will help you find your niche audience and help you find that wow story and your voice. And, and that's really important. And, and another thing that I do is media coaching. And media coaching 
everybody thinks, oh, I, I know how to do this. I don't need your help. I know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. They know how to talk. Right. But can they, get, can they get the point across? So this afternoon, I'm going to do media coaching for my client who's on a radio show tomorrow because it's only a seven-minute interview. And when you only have seven minutes, you've got to get right to that point. You've got to get right to the point. And, and it's with two other people on the show. So you also have to know when to pause so that the other people can talk. Right. I think that's that deals with a lot of discipline and a lot of consideration because you also have to look at somebody else too and say, okay, I have seven minutes. So in two minutes, can I say everything I need to say? And that takes practice. So it's all an inbound strategy and an outbound strategy at the same time for that person, I believe. Yeah. So it's really, you have to be so passionate about whatever your project is, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, it's a, it's a documentary, um, it's, it's, it's a cause, what, whatever it is, you have to be so excited that when you get up in the morning, you're thinking, how do I promote this? How, how can I partner with my PR company to brainstorm? Because that's where the real magic happens, you know? And then like, if, if, if it's a podcast interview, you usually it's not it's not a big fire drill unless it's a major podcast like I got the Modern Family guy on the Adam Carolla podcast that that was a big deal. He was also on Howard Stern. That was a big deal, right? So those are Chinese fire drills I call them where it's like within an hour we have to confirm. Right. But with most podcasts you don't have to confirm within an hour. And, and they get scheduled and sometimes they're live and other times, uh, you know, it could take three months before it's published. Yeah. So that's podcast. Then for, for print, they, they usually want to do a phone call interview or they're going to email you questions. Uh, and then you also could be, um, quoted as an expert in a story. We had clients quoted in for example, Psychology Today and Time Magazine and the Wall Street Journal as experts. Okay. So that that's also something we do. And and that's all in writing. You send in writing what your opinion is, and then if they choose to, they will uh, quote you in it. That's amazing. And then and then with TV, TV is, you know, your biggest reach. It's your it's the most visual and and but it can happen so fast. And that and that's where I'm like, okay, all hands on deck. You know, I'm, I'm calling your cell phone, I'm texting you, I'm calling your husband, I'm calling I'm calling your assistant, I'm calling everybody until I get you, until I get this thing from her. <laughs> and, 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 and then I book everything and I, I send uh, talking points of potential things you can talk about and we can talk about the topic and we do, can do a practice if you want. And then the last thing in this uh, chain of events is probably the most important, and that's that's the follow-up. And I joke around and say it's all about the F you. And, <laughs> and because because just because you got an interview doesn't mean it's going to air unless it's live, right? Exactly. So you have to do the follow-up, and you have to do it in a way like. It's like dating. I say you want to be patient 
and persistent and never desperate because the minute you're desperate that your interview may never get published that's it <laughs> that is true i feel like that resonates with a lot of people because when you take it like dating when you take it like growth you know that you can't just get married overnight you just can't have a fortune overnight you know it's not po- unless you're some type of person but that's like 0.01% chance of getting that kind of thing so it makes a lot of sense and i believe a lot of people need to know that when you're intentional about who you want to serve then the right people are going to come to you because search engines are active on a consistent basis and you mentioned it really well too I think that's a really important point and and I do want to just emphasize that a lot of my clients don't think well I'm the celebrity they're interviewing me I'm like no 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 they the reporter is also a celebrity so before the interview you need to look up who they are if it's a podcast like I did for for you um listen to one of their episodes so you get an idea of their style and what they care about And then if you hear anything interesting about them, you can bring it up in the conversation. I find that, you know, I build the most rapport when I'm just human with a reporter, you know? And I I say things like, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Or, you know, oh, so hot today. You know, how's the weather there? You know, I mean, these these are relationship builders. They may seem obvious, but don't be so stressed when you talk to them that, it's like you feel like you have to get everything out or, or, you know, because I've seen people, they've had radio interviews and, and they'll say, well, tell us a little about you. And they talk for 10 minutes without a breath. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you cannot do that. So, you know, you're having a conversation, whether it's podcast, radio, print, or TV, it's a podcast and it's two-way conversation. Yeah, I think so too. And and one of the things that builds this anticipation and, and amazing experience is places like Clubhouse now. You know, people are having this communication tool, speaking to each other, understanding each other's voice, being very present. And I think it's the authenticity in your voice that really moves the needle most times either you're singing or you're on stage speaking it's the it's the vibrations that you produce that really makes that change in someone's life and i think some people don't really think about that vocal presence the vocal presence is is so important having energy enthusiasm and smile you know uh, it's it's hard to smile when you're talking but you can do it and, and be grateful. Having an attitude of gratitude really comes across uh, when you're doing interviews. Exactly. It, that's true. The last question I would love to ask, and I think you touched on it a little bit, was about film festivals. And how can someone get into a film festival if they want to? Well, that is a really good question and very hard. I think... If you have a film and you want to get into a film festival, I would start maybe with some of the smaller film festivals versus Sundance, which I've been to many times. Sundance, they say it's it's harder to get into Sundance than it is to get into Harvard University. Wow. Which is crazy, but 
it, it's, it's very competitive to get in Sundance. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying, you know, get, get PR, get buzz, uh, get people to write about the sneak peek content, you know, your trailer, um, or about your backstory so that you get some buzz and you can show people things. I had, um, a friend who had a, a play, right? They, they wrote a play and Gary Marshall, who did happy days and a bunch of other shows, um, he, he, uh, worked with him on that play because the first versions I wrote about them in the examiner, which was this online magazine, right? And, and it's now been, you know, turned off. But the point is, is that he went to Gary Marshall and said, look, here's a story in the examiner <laughs> about my play. And then he gets Gary Marshall to work with him. And Gary Marshall is just, he, he died a couple of years ago, but I got to meet him fortunately uh, at when the play launched with Gary Marshall. So I think that that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and, and go to some of the film festivals and learn the lingo and learn the process because um, it is a process. You know, you submit your film, they have a committee, the committee uh, watches the films and reviews it. And, and maybe go to coffee, which is what I did with some people uh, and say, you know, how do you select the films? What is the process? Yeah. And, and just learn as much as you can because that will help you figure out how to do your PR and, and how to position your film the right way to get in. That's amazing. I think everybody should start a Sundance Festival request sign up today so they can be able to get themselves in there. And consistency is key. And I think once you break the walls, then you have to maintain it to stay there. So this has been amazing. I really appreciate you, Liz, for being here. If there's any way they could find you or reach out to you, what's the best point of contact to get in touch with you? Well, well thank you so much, Favor. I love being your guest today. And if anybody wants to find me, the best way to find me is go to goody, goody with a Y, goodypr.com. You can also go to 8secondpr.com for the book, but goodypr.com and send me an email to let me know how you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And one fun fact I'll tell you before you go is that my brother's name is called Goody and his birthday is next week. <laughs> so it's just amazing ah. how it just all blends in at the perfect time. And I'm, I'm just happy that we are and that's the short name. You know, he has a long form name, but that's his short name. I'm, I'm just happy that you were able to join us today. And I look forward to bringing you back here to add more value and tell us more about the exciting things that are happening in your life and your career. Well, thank you so much and happy birthday to Goody and, and all the summer birthdays. I have a summer birthday too. Summer birthdays are hard because you, you don't get to do the cupcakes at school. <laughs> right. So happy birthday to all the summer birthdays and Goody. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it.